Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for joining me today. And if you're in the United States, a happy Labor Day weekend to everyone. A happy Labor Day, the unofficial end to summer. Kids are going back to school. People are home from vacation. So I'm really excited and psyched that you decided to spend this day and hopefully this week with us here on the podcast. And when I say us, I mean myself and my amazing guest this week, Amanda Goldman-Petrie. Amanda is the founder of marketlikeanerd.com. She is an internationally renowned work smarter, not harder online marketing coach for entrepreneurs who want to maximize their profits while minimizing the amount of time and effort they put into their business. After overcoming poverty, child abuse, rape, teen pregnancy, and near death, Amanda was able to persevere and create her first $10,000 month within four months at the age of 22. She generated over $150,000 in her next business within four months at the age of 23. And in her first Market Like a Nerd launch, she generated over $120,000 in 90 days. She has helped clients turn $700 into $100,000 using Facebook ads, $300 into $16,000 using webinars, and helps sell out coaching programs completely within 90 days using free Facebook group marketing strategies. She has been featured on a ton of other major, major media outlets, including Small Business Trendsetters, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, The Huffington Post, Worth Magazine, International Business Times, and many more. So if you want to find out more about Amanda, then I encourage you to go to marketlikeanerd.com. Super fun website also. Okay, so what do we talk about in this episode? Amanda and I discuss her life experiences and how she broke from the fee-for-service ceiling, how to create organized systems that delegate tasks properly, and Amanda takes us step-by-step through one of her systems, which is great, uh, what is the wealth pyramid and how to achieve the end stage of wealth, goals and actionable steps for each stage of that wealth pyramid, and a lot more stuff. So I thank Amanda very, very much for coming on. Um, and again, if you want to learn more about her, go to marketlikeanerd.com. Uh, all of the links to everything is in the show notes, and you can find those at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And before we get to today's episode, I just want to give a big thank you to audible.com for sponsoring this podcast. So if you want a free month and a free book, you can go to audibletrial.com slash healthywealthysmart and choose from over 180,000 different titles. I just finished listening to Dan Brown's Inferno, and I don't know what I'm going to choose next. I'm thinking maybe Amy Schumer's new book, but I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, if you want your free month and you want your free book, go to audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, and smart. And now I'm happy to bring you today's podcast with the lovely Amanda Goldman Petrie. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, so uh, a little background. So I met Amanda through a Facebook group uh, run by the amazing Selena Sue at, called Impacting Millions, which is a great group. And I, uh, Selena has been encouraging people to go on to podcasts, so I've been on a couple. Now, Amanda, you've been on a couple. <laughs> more than a couple. I, more than a couple. Yes, actually, my publicist and I kind of went crazy, and I'm on this uh, podcast obsession right now. So I've actually been on over 30 podcasts in the last 30 days. <laughs> That's awesome. And now, yeah. 
um, we'll get into a little bit more about your background, but since you just said that, and for people listening, how'd you do that? How are you, how are you pitching to podcasts that 30 podcasts are saying, yes, I would love to have you on? Yeah, well, so first and foremost, I'm like super OCD, so I create systems for everything. So when I hired my publicist, I actually, before I hired her, I went and I created a system for how to pitch to podcasts. So I created a spreadsheet where I went and researched and, you know, um, uh, just created this spreadsheet where I listed out all of these podcasts, their contact information, what they were looking for, and all of that. And then uh, created some templates for some pitches, created a little SOP for it, uh, recorded myself doing one, and then I handed it off to a publicist to take it from there. And she then took the SOP, took the templates, and went off and just started one by one pitching everyone. So we created like eight different pitch templates. And depending upon which, what the podcast is about, what the audience likes in that type of podcast affects which pitch we send. And we just kind of have been going through the spreadsheet every single solitary day, sending the pitches, and, and, and most of them are biting. So <laughs> that's fantastic because, you know, as, as everyone knows, now podcasts are hotter than ever. Yeah. And it's a great way to get yourself out to audiences that maybe wouldn't otherwise get to hear from you. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Very cool. And has it made any uh, difference in your business? Well, we've recorded them. Most of them haven't aired yet, so Got we'll it. see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I'm sure, I mean, how could it not? You know, yeah. you're reaching a, a much bigger audience. So yeah. now, let's talk about kind of what you do. So what got you interested into marketing, into doing online coursework? How did that come about? Yeah, you know, it's funny because when I was younger, I never, ever in my life would have thought I would have ended up being a business owner and actually caring about entrepreneurship and marketing. I remember having this ex-boyfriend who was really into business, and I, I feel like bad in retrospect, but I used to make fun of him because I, I would say how boring business was, <laughs> um, uh, and I guess I was wrong. <laughs> But um, no, when I was younger, I was very actually into science and, and I wanted to become a doctor because I thought that that was, you know, like the end all be all. I thought being a doctor was what success was uh, and having to overcome a lot of trauma in my life. You know, I uh, not just because we were poor, you know, of course, my family was poor growing up, um, but you know, my father, my stepfather was abusive. My biological father was a drug addict. I was uh, hit by a car and almost died. I um, uh, w found out I was pregnant when I was uh, when I was 18. I was four and a half months pregnant. I was raped while I was in recovery from the car accident. I went through so much trauma as a child. I basically became this overachieving nerd where I thought that if I just hustled, if I worked hard, if I sacrificed then I would be successful, I would be able to be a doctor, and it would change my life, and everything would be better. And uh, what I realized, actually, after the car accident, where I, I almost died, you know, I was hit by this 80-year-old man, he was driving a minivan, going 50 miles an hour, mm -hmm. and he, he um, my, the car kind of collided with my leg, and my head shattered his windshield, oh and God. when I, I know, it was... Oh, it was it was not a good experience, but um, 
I mean, physically, it was not a good experience. Physically, my body was was healing for for years even. Um, Mentally, it was not a good experience in the short term, but in the long run, it has really just revolutionized the way that I look at life. It's led to me to where I am today. So in retrospect, it was... It was nece- it was a necessary evil, I think, to end up where I am today because that car accident taught me, Amanda, if you had died, you would have spent your entire life doing what was expected of you, doing what society thought success was. You would have spent your entire life being depressed, unhappy, and unfulfilled. That's not okay. Next time I die, and, you know, it's for real that time, <laughs> um, I want to look back on my life and be happy with it, to reflect and think, I made the most of this. And so after that experience, I that's what I did. I started searching for what would make me feel that way, what would make me feel happy, and what would make me feel fulfilled. And it was a huge process of trial and error. I studied Russian uh, writing, Chinese, neuroscience, natural sciences, cellular molecular biology, like everything I could get my hands on, I studied. Uh, and... In that process, one of the things I studied was marketing. <laughs> and when I found marketing, it was one of those things, you know, when, you know, in like romance movies where like you lock eyes and you like find your lover and it's like love at first sight. Um, that's that's how, how you felt with marketing? Yes. It was like a love story. <laughs> I don't know that anyone's ever described marketing that way before. <laughs> But it, it definitely explains the passion for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where I did it and I and I instantly fell in love and I knew it and I said, this was it. My search is over. I don't have to try anything new anymore. Um, so I actually quit school, um, graduate school, and I quit all of my jobs and I went out and I started my first business when I was 21. And, uh, you know, the first business was tough. I, you know, I was brand new to it. I didn't really have very much experience before then. So I didn't make too much money in that one, but I was not going to give up. Uh, then the second business, I decided to hire a coach. I was 22. Um, and in four months after hiring that coach, I hit my first $10,000 month, which was really awesome for me being a 22 year old who was poor, poor growing up. Yeah. And it was very exciting. And that just solidified the love even more. I was like, Oh, I can make $10,000 a month in my PJs at home. Yes, please. Um, and uh, and I just got and I in that in that business I became really well known as kind of a go to virtual assistant for coaches because that was the type of business that it was it was a virtual assistant business and okay. so I had this coach her name was Mary Glazer approach me and I started doing work for her clients and and I was doing her Facebook ads her clients Facebook ads and they were seeing amazing results I mean like just as one example we had one client who I um I managed their ad campaign they they invested $700 they made $100,000 back what yeah and so Mara and I talked and we were like we're on to something here <laughs> so we actually joined forces we created a third business, also a virtual assistant business, uh, and within four months, we had booked over $150,000, and I was 23 at the time, um, and after about a year of that, I said, you know, this has been awesome. I've been able to make a whole lot of money very, very fast at a very young age. My heart is really calling me to share this with 
the world to share this with other entrepreneurs. So I actually closed down those businesses a little over a year ago to start my coaching business, which is where I'm at now because that's that was my passion. This is my purpose. <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing. I mean, to do to do all of that by the age of so you're 25. I just turned 26. Just, oh, ago. just turned 26. Okay. Um, that's, that's fantastic and, and something to be really proud of. And now with, now that you have a coaching business, you know, a lot of times what a lot of people hear is, or when they think of coaching is they think one-on-one, Yeah. you know, and so it gets, you kind of hit a ceiling, right? Because there's only so much time in the day Yeah. to do one-on-one coaching. So how do you, how do you work with that? And what, what kind of things can, if one is thinking about going into coaching and thinking, you know, gosh, there's only so many hours in the day where you're trading time for money, how can you break out of that? This is an awesome question and one of my favorite ones to answer because I do call myself a work smarter marketing coach. Like my whole intention with my business at Market Like a Nerd is to teach entrepreneurs how to create sustainable, scalable businesses. Um, so... Where this actually came from, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll give you the tips in a moment, but I want to tell you kind of like the, the history behind how I discovered this. Um, I, t- I just told you my story and the successes that I had, right? Um, and it's tempting to look at that and say, oh, wow, she did so much so successfully at such a young age. What a lot of people don't know, though, is that the process was actually very difficult. Like the um, generating $150,000 in four months was awesome. You can imagine how much we made in a year. Um, but and we so we made a lot of money, but it was hard work in the process. It was hustle. It was sacrifice. And it was not making me happy. So basically, after that happened, I looked at my business and I said, you know, when I was hit by the car, I told myself I was going to focus on being happy. I wasn't going to regret anything anymore. I wasn't going to hustle or sacrifice anymore. I was going to put my life and my happiness first. So I need to start doing that in my business. And uh, so I started getting really stubborn about how can I make as much money as possible with as little effort as possible. I'm going to have to start saying no to things. I'm going to have to start shifting the way that I'm doing things. I'm going to have to start working smarter. And what I discovered was that, yes, one-on-one and even done for you often is not very scalable. What's scalable, uh, where you can make as much money as possible with as little effort as possible, is leveraged one-to-many offers. And depending upon what niche you're in, that might look a little bit different. Um, 70% of my clients are coaches. So for them, it's usually a group coaching program. The other 30% of my clients are service-based business owners um, in variety of different niches. So it, it, you know, it varies. But no matter what niche you're in, and you'd be really surprised what kind of creative, thing, creative things you can come up with. Um, like I just came up with a way for one of my, my clients who's a real estate agent to make, a, to make her um, offers more leverage and a real estate agent, like you would think, Oh, it's one-to-one, like Mm -hmm. they have one client, but we came up with a way to help her even make it a leveraged group offer. Well, and Uh, I also saw what I thought was interesting is one of your clients was like a harp teacher. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) talk about a niche, but, but then again, you would think a harp teacher, it has to be, how can you have like a whole group? It kind of has to be one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised. You can get a little bit creative, but um, no, I actually she was the start of me starting to um, that that client. She was the beginning of me 
starting to even think more creatively with my clients where uh, if I had someone coming to me and they were in kind of a weird niche, um, I would take the challenge. I would say, you know, most coaches just teach coaches. I don't want to be most coaches. I want to help other types of business owners too. And, uh, so like I have, I have one client that's a real estate agent. I have one person I'm talking to now who, uh, like helps women who wants to, who want to buy cars, but get the car cheaper. Um, so 70% of my clients are coaches, but, um, but I love the challenge of trying to think creatively about how to scale other types of businesses too, that most coaches kind of veer away from. That's right. (laughs) And you know, the majority of listeners of this podcast are physical therapists, they're healthcare, other healthcare workers, physicians, and, and for physical therapy, you're treating a patient, right? Yeah. So talk about being one-on-one and trading that time for money. And I think that there are other ways that physical therapists can, or phys, or, or healthcare workers, yoga, uh, Pilates, oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. A so, great oh, example of this yeah. would actually be, um, uh, I, I saw, I, I, I'm not responsible for this, but this is a great example of it. Uh, one of my chiropractor, no, not one of my chiropractor. I was trying to find a chiropractor and this one chiropractor, um, who I was talking to, like really, really stood out. Um, and what stood out about him was I was just like at every turn evaluating his marketing because it was freaking phenomenal. Uh, like every single step of his process, I kept looking at it and I was like, oh, yep, that's leverage. Oh, look at that. He's automating that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> like he's doing such a good job with his marketing. And what he did was uh, first he did like a consultation with me at like just some local fair. And that's how he originally got me in as a lead. But what was interesting after that was for all of his new client consultations, he doesn't actually bring, like when you actually physically go into his office, he doesn't actually bring you in one-on-one. He only allows you to schedule a time on like a Tuesday or a Thursday if you're a new client. And then all of the new clients for that week come in on that Tuesday or that Thursday. And so it's like 20 people in his office at once. And he does a presentation about chiropractic care and his principles and his philosophies about chiropractic. And then he takes you all into like your into like a little room um, to do like a 10 minute one on one consultation. But that way he knocks out all of the new client consults in one go, uh, you know, one batch of time um, each week or, or two batches of time each week. And um, he doesn't have to redo the presentation over and, over and over and over and over again for new clients. He does it for all of the new clients all at once, which I thought was just so brilliant for a chiropractor to do. I've never seen another chiropractor do that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting. Um, and I guess like before, but you, you knew that ahead of time, like you knew you weren't going in for an individual kind of consultation. Um, I don't know that he explicitly said it, but Mm. it was, but, but he did tell me to go to his website and he had like a new, this is another great thing that he did. You know, like people are more willing to take the next step if they know what to expect in the process. Yeah. So he told me to go to his website in the new clients like section or whatever of his website and the the website actually listed out um step one here's what we're gonna do step two here's what we're gonna do step three here's what you're gonna do so he didn't explicitly say it I think in the in the initial consult but then when he told me to go to the website the website explained it so I did so I did know going into it yeah 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 okay 
Because I was going to say, I would think like if someone made an appointment and you think you're going to get an evaluation and treatment and you're not, that could be a little disappointing. Well, he did after, like he did the group presentation and then he take you into the, into the one-on-one rooms. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it, but it was still, it was a twist and it was, yeah, it was leverage and it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think, um, in the, the healthcare world now, I think a lot of healthcare workers are trying to, to think a little bit more outside of the box because sometimes it's hard to help as many people as you want to. Yeah. You know, yeah. so coming up with more creative ways to be able to help more people and get a message out to people, um, I think is something that I hope to see a little bit more of, you know, yeah. in the coming years. I think that would be great. Um, okay, so you obviously had a, a tough go of it there for a little while, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy, by the way. Um, and now you you've got your coaching clients. You've got a lot of programs, a lot of free resources. How do you keep track of everything? (laughs) Uh, I'm a systems nerd. I create a system for pretty much everything. I actually have, uh, again, a spreadsheet. See, nerd. Um, I have a spreadsheet where I kind of break down every single category of my business. Uh, So like the accounting category, the administrative category, the um, customer relationship category, the, I have a category for every program. I have a category for um, like content, um, PR, et cetera, et cetera. So every category I could think of, I put into the spreadsheet. And then underneath of that category, I list out every single solitary task I can think of, especially ones that are going to recur, that are going to happen over and over and over again. And I put that, um, list those underneath of the applicable categories. And once I have the list, um, I go through the list of all of the tasks and I create a system and a written SOP, a standard operating procedure for everything. So it's set up work in the beginning. You know, I've got to actually put in the effort to create the spreadsheet, to create the systems, to write out the the standard operating procedures for everything. But what happens is once I'm done, you know, once I've actually written out this, this standard operating procedure, you know, from start to finish on this task, this is step one, step two, step three, step four, et cetera, then I can do a couple things. I can look at the system and I can identify inefficiencies and I can take that inefficiency and automate it or, um, you know, just do something to it to make it more, more effective mm-hmm. uh, and, and then kind of finalize the system from there, um, which makes the system more effective and faster to go through. The other thing I can do is I can now delegate it. So once you have a system and you then go delegate it, it's so much easier for your team to uh, A, get it done right, and B, get it done faster. Like with my publicist, the example I gave earlier today, um, within 24 hours, she was starting pitches, which for most, I mean, she actually told me, she said it's usually like a two-week process for onboarding. I was like, it's not going to be for me. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Within 24 hours, she was doing pitches because I had the entire operating procedure um, written out and recorded 
for her. So um, it makes the delegation process so much faster and more effective. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and I feel like I've on this podcast and listening to different webinars, I hear a lot about, well, I have a system for this, a system for that, a system for this. But no one really ever explains the system. Yeah. So when you're talking about, let's take that podcast example again, just for consistency's sake. Sure. So can you kind of go through what this, the the quote-unquote the system is, just so people have a better idea of what you mean when you say a system. Yeah, absolutely. So there's systems and there's automations. When I say system, I literally just mean like a written um, outline of the process or the protocol for that particular task. Okay. All right. So, that, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So um, – with the podcast example, um, our written protocol essentially says step one, um, go, I wish I could, let me see if I can pull it up actually while we're going through this, but, um, it essentially says like step one, um, go into the spreadsheet and I like link to the spreadsheet here. I'm trying to pull this up right now. Um, link to podcast interview SOP. Let's pull this up. Step oh, okay, actually, so it's a step one. Understand the goals, and um, that way I can kind of explain to the person I'm delegating to what my objective is with this task that I'm assigning them to. So in her case, I said my current goal is 100 podcasts in 90 days. Currently, we have um, eight. We haven't updated this, but cur currently we have eight scheduled. Um, the current conversion rate is 35% of pitches are converting. That means we need to send out 285 pitches to hit our goal. And then I say future goals, and I'm listing out what's going to happen after we send out those 285 um, pitches. So step one is understand the goals. And I try to start um, a, not all, but a lot of my SOPs that way so that people have real, my team members have really specific outcomes in mind, which enhances the way that they do the job. Um, then it says step two, um, understand the spreadsheet. And I, and I link them to the spreadsheet that we're using for the podcast interviews. And it um, then explains, like it says, which tabs are on the spreadsheet. And it explains all the tabs on the spreadsheet. Um, how are you going to add to the spreadsheet? And it explains how they, how we're going, what, what is the process we're going to follow to add people, to add podcasts to this spreadsheet to eventually pitch. You know, I'm going to do this, they're going to do that. Um, how are we going to update spreadsheets as pitches are made? And then it explains, um, once a pitch is made, we move the podcast from the tab it's in into the sent, um, tab. Once, um, we get a yes or a no, we move the podcast from that tab into the yes or the no tab. So it explains the process for how we're going to use, um, this spreadsheet. Um, then it's a step three, sending the pitches, and then it, it like links to all of the current pitches that we've created, like all of the templates for all of the pitches um, and explains the process for how we're going to create the pitches and how we're going to email them to each um, person on the spreadsheet. Um, step four is scheduling interviews. So once we've got a confirmed yes, then what's the process going to look like? Like, are they going to schedule it for me? Am I going to schedule it myself? Step five is communicating on the progress. So how is my team going to report to me regularly about the progress on the spreadsheet so that I don't have to continuously go check the spreadsheet and make guesses and assumptions about where we're at? 
So that's one example for one of our one of our SOPs. For one of your systems. That's great. Thank you for going through that because a lot of times you just hear system, system, systems, and I'm always like, but what's the system? <laughs> yeah. What are Happy you talking about? <laughs> Happy to do it. I love, love, love systems. Actually, like the next program that I'm launching is like totally systems-based, and I'm basically going to give people copies of all of my written SOPs and all of my templates. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I hear it all the time. Like I have this great system. (laughs) Okay. Well, what is it? (laughs) Or somebody will do like, I listened in on a webinar once and this was in the PT world and they're like, Oh, it's because I use this system. And, and the webinar was supposed to be about, this is the system. I never once heard what the system was. Oh, Hmm. and I was like, well, this kind of, is not what I signed up for, you know, kind of what we were saying before about managing expectations. Yeah. I was like, this is, this was a waste of an hour of my time. Thank you very much. Well, now um, you know what a system is now, and, and an example of one. <laughs> yeah. Now everyone listening can understand what the system is. And by the way, that's some great detailed work there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very OCD. My mom, my mom actually, when I was younger, wanted me to go to a therapist to ask if I had OCD. And I went to the therapist for post-traumatic stress disorder after the car accident. And I told him that as like a joke. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. I can tell you don't have OCD. You're just very quirky. And I was like, okay, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and very organized. That's, that's, that's great. I'm going to be re-listening to that system talk over and over again. Awesome. Um, okay. So let's kind of shift gears. Let's talk about um, a wealth, what is a wealth pyramid? So what, what is it? And, and how do you get off the base floor? Awesome. This is a great question. And something I talk about in, in pretty much all of my webinars. So I've got, I actually have different webinars for different stages of the wealth pyramid so that no matter what stage of business you're in, you have the right resource for you. Um, so the wealth pyramid essentially outlines, um, which stage of business you're in. And obviously at the top, it's, it's wealth, (laughs) you know, it's like, uh, you're, you're making so much money that you don't even need all of it and you can donate some of it to, or you can leverage some of it to impact the world, you know, not just yourself, not just your clients, but impacting the world. Um, so that's kind of like the very, very top of the wealth pyramid. And obviously very at the very, very bottom, you're in debt. And then there are stages in between. Um, so the wealth pyramid outlines uh, what those stages are. And what I do is I teach you within each stage what you have to focus on to get to the next level. So let's just start at the bottom and we can work our way up. Does that sound okay? Sounds perfect. All right. So all the way at the bottom, like I said, is you are in debt, which a lot of business owners find themselves in because they have um, invested a whole, whole lot into their business and it hasn't made a return on investment. So they fall down in down the ladder into debt. Um, it, it actually happened once for me in, at the end of one of my businesses, um, I got very, very sick and I spent two entire months, uh, throwing up every single solitary day and we didn't know why. So I had to go and get a whole bunch of procedures done to my stomach and we had terrible medical insurance, like absolutely just God awful medical insurance. (laughs) And, um, between the medical bills for that, then of course, this is like so just not nice universe. But um, two months afterwards, I stopped I stopped throwing up. They never figured out why. It just stopped. And then like a month later, of course, 
I get pregnant. Uh, and now you're and, throwing up for a whole different reason. I know. It was terrible. Um, but then medical bills came from that. And right. um, and, and then student debt. You know, graduating. Some students yep. are graduating with over $100,000 in debt. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Luckily, I actually got a full ride to my university. But because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I was overloading on classes, I actually still ended up graduating with loans, even with a full ride. Um, so for various reasons, I actually have been in this stage of business. And what I discovered was um, not just true for me, but also true for other people who have other clients that I've worked with is when they're in debt, they're trying so hard to do all these other things that business owners are doing on higher stages of the ladder. Like they're trying to launch podcasts, they're trying to do a telesummit, they're trying to do all these different things because they think if they just make money, they'll be able to get out of debt. And that's not accurate. You're doing, you're, you're doing action steps that are too far up the ladder. Um, so one action step per stage of business. So for when you're in debt, the literally only thing you should be focusing on is getting out of debt. Um, so you have to create a debt payoff plan. You know, you have to actually outline for yourself, what is my plan of action to pay this debt off? And it's not just make money. You know, you actually have to plan out how you're going to um, approach the collect the debt collectors. Um, you know, are you going to are you going to try to negotiate with them? Uh, which one, which thing are you going to pay off first? What's your payment schedule for each each line of debt on your spreadsheet on your on your payoff plan? You have to create a debt payoff plan to get out of debt. So that's the only thing you focus on in that stage of business. Once you are out of debt, you're at like zero. Then I kind of consider you like new business owner or like stage one. You know, debt looks like stage zero. Um, once you're at zero, once you're at, um, once you're out of debt and you're at zero, you're at like stage one. And when you're there, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create consistent 5K months. That's like the next um, rung on the ladder. The next kind of goal that you want to have is you want to hit consistent 5K months so that you can project your income out. As a new business owner, we try to get sales. Um, we, we, like we try so hard to get sales that we're, that we like, um, we, we forget about how important it is for our income to be reliable. And so what you want to do is you want to make sure that they're not just 5k months, but that they're consistent, that they're guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. So, you don't want to have one 5k month and think super. Yeah. And then the next month, maybe you make a thousand. Yeah. And then what happens? So how do you get that consistency? Yeah, that's feast or famine. You don't want feast or famine. No. You want consistency, reliability. So what you do... Uh, what I recommend, and there's a lot of different ways that you can that you can get to 5K months. Okay, I will openly admit that there are different strategies. But when it comes to the way that I teach my clients, I go based on what is the fastest path. So the fastest path is to get prospects on the phone. And not everyone likes phone sales, but again, it, it and you can you know you might be able to shift your business later later down the road to someone else doing the, the phone calls, or you not having to do phone calls. Um, but in this stage of business, the fastest path is for you to get on the phone with prospects. So you have to focus every single solitary thing you are doing, every single solitary day, to how can I get phone calls on my calendar? And then once you do, once you get a prospect on the phone, you sell them into the quickest thing you're able to sell, which is typically a one-on-one -on -one offer because group offers, we talked about leverage earlier, they're great for the long-term sustainability of your business, but they take very long to set up. So in the short term, 
just for now in this stage of business, you're going to sell them into a one-on-one offer with some type of recurring commitment. So if you're a coach, that's like one-on-one coaching with a four-month commitment. If you're a chiropractor, it would be like, this is your, um, this is your, uh, pain or what what do they call it? It's like, this is your, um, your plan that we've created for you for how we are going to heal your spine. And this is how much it's going to cost. And here are the payments you're going to make every single month. And like you're committing to that payment schedule. Um, so getting consistent, getting, getting them to, uh, commit to over a period of at least three months. That way you can guarantee your money all the way out a couple months. Um, and that's, that's sort of stage one. Once you've done that, once you've hit your consist, you know, you've gotten people on the phone, you've sold them into the one-on-one with the recurring commitment, you have your guaranteed consistent 5K months. Then what you're going to want to do to get to the next stage of business is you're going to want to start focusing on how to scale, how to make exponentially more money without adding to your work plate. So making more money with less effort. That's what I call scaling. And the key there is to shift from the one-on-one to the leveraged offer because that's better for long-term sustainability and to start automating your marketing because sales, while they're great in the short term for fast cash, they are manual and they're time intensive. Mm -hmm. So the more you can automate your marketing um, going into leveraged offers, the more scalable and sustainable your business is going to be. And so an example of a, of, marketing, would that maybe be a Facebook ad or? Yeah. So when it comes to automating your marketing, um, paid traffic is the fastest, most reliable, most scalable, and even delegatable form of traffic. So I use Facebook advertising, uh, and then I'd send it to some sort of automated sales funnel. Most of my sales funnels are webinars. So I'll send a Facebook ad, to a, and then people will click on it. They'll go to a registration page for some type of webinar. They'll register and it'll start in about an hour. Um, I do just in time webinars. So they start in about an, in about an hour. So they're all on demand. Um, then when the webinar starts, I'm not there. It's all automated. Um, I pitch at the end of the webinar and then they either schedule a call with me if that's uh, well not with me but with my salespeople um, or they I pitch a paid program and they buy at the end of the webinar and the entire sales process is automated. Got it. Got it. So that makes a lot of sense and that frees you up to create more programs. Yeah, I am a like content creating machine. I love creating my fi- my favorite two things in my business are content creation and funnel creation. So I really like delegating as much as possible in my business, not just because I believe it's the most scalable way to do it, but because it frees me up to do those two things that I really, really love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay, so let's say now you're on level two, which is this sort of scalable uh, you, you've gotten out of debt, you've, you've hit a sustainable, uh, 5,000 per month, month, and now you're looking, you've scaled. So then what happens? Uh, I mean, then you're at the top of the ladder. I mean, that's where I kind of end it. Once you've scaled your business, then you're at, you're typically at this place where you're able to, um, 
uh, not just create an impact in your life and in your client's life, but your business has become something that can now be part of something greater, if that makes sense. And, and you know, there's a lot of business owners who get into business because they want to make an impact on the world, but they're so consumed with the need for them to pay themselves, the need for them to make money, that they, they never have that opportunity to, um, to feel uh, released enough to, um, to focus on, on how their business can serve a greater purpose. And so, um, I think ultimately that's where, where most business owners would love to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it is just a big mindset shift though, because you have to, you have to be comfortable with the fact that your systems work. Yeah. And and that you don't have to micromanage all of these systems so intently to be able to kind of release that a little bit and and be able to continue to create more. Yeah. And I think that's hard. I think that's really hard. It's an upper limit, you know. I mean, I think, uh, it, you know, even for me, actually, when I, uh, when I first – but this is a good example from when I met my husband. Uh, he and I had such a perfect relationship; it was actually uncomfortable. I was like, "Why do I not? Why? Why are we not fighting?" Because um, I grew up in a household where you only ever fight, so this is weird. And it was an upper limit that I had to kind of overcome and recognize. It's a good thing that yeah. things are peaceful, and it's the same way in business. You know, we become accustomed to this idea that things have to be hard, that you have to sacrifice, that you have to hustle, and that business has to be difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Like and, if you're not working hard, then you're not doing it right or something. Yeah. And I challenge that belief. That's what I do with all of my clients. I challenge that belief that they have because I really do believe as long as you work smarter, you can make more money with less effort and it can make your business feel seamless. Yeah. And and again, it's it's a mindset shift, you know. You really have to get comfortable with with being a little uncomfortable in the beginning. <laughs> um, but then, as you see these systems work and you see your business flourish, then I'm sure that all goes out the window. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think there are still there's obviously still times when um, certain things in my business make me feel uncomfortable, but I recognize them and then I talk myself through it and I let it go away. <laughs> yeah, and and how about those people who Let's say you know they have this this business that's going quite well, but it's always in the back of their mind. Like, what if no one buys my next program? Mm. Yeah, if, you know, do you know what I mean? Because that listen, that can happen. You can be, especially now with social media, things that are really really hot at one point in time can be nothing yeah. a year later. Yeah, you know, honestly, I think if you follow the right process, I don't really worry about that. Like, if your if your offer is Cause a lot, and a lot of times it's all it's all a numbers game. Like if you do your numbers correctly for a launch, um, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to make sales. Um, uh, but that's like a whole nother story. Um, the, but the, but the thing that I teach though is if if your offer is less than two thousand dollars, you just validate the idea before you go and you you do a launch. So then if you validate the idea. You know what you you kind of have like an idea of whether or not it's going to make sales. So, for example, with my very first coaching program launch um, after I started my my coaching business, um, we made one hundred twenty thousand dollars in book sales in ninety days. We had about fifty five buyers 
right out the gate. And I really wanted that program to be successful um, after having closed down my, my previous business. Um, and I didn't want to go and do this whole launch and have that worry, have that worry that I'm going to do all of this and no one's going to buy. So what I did was I validated the idea first. And I did that by doing a couple things. First, I surveyed my list and my community like every single solitary week to figure out what they wanted. Then I created an offer based on that and I made a wait list. Now, depending upon what industry you're in, you might not be able to do a wait list, but there's other ways to validate. Um, and so you would, uh, so for me, I created this wait list where I basically said, here's the program. It's not launching for a couple months. Put your name, um, like give me your name and email address if you're interested and I'll let you know when it opens. Well, I had like 70 people sign up for the wait list, which told me, I've got 70 people who are interested in this offer. I'm that onto val- something here. Yeah, I'm onto something here. Like if you create a wait, I actually, I did this, I did this a second time for another program a few months later and the wait list only had, I want to say like 20 people in, which is still not bad, mm-hmm. but it was a much, you know, that's a big difference in the numbers. So I said, oh, okay, this, this, this offer is not, not quite right. I've got to change something here. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So if, it, it, I, I like the fact that, A, you kind of surveyed your audience beforehand, which I have done also in the past, um, and B, I think having that wait list or, or putting something out and say, I'm so excited for, the, for XYZ program. It's not ready yet, but if you're interested, you know, put your name and email here. Yeah. 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 And you can do this with any type of business. Absolutely. Too, if you think of it like, like, lo- like, let's say you're a product-based business and you have a, you have like a local, you have a local store. You probably have a direct, like a, um, a list of the people who have purchased from your store before. Hopefully, you're Hopefully, you're keeping yeah. a mailing list. Ideally, yeah. um, you and let's say you're you're about to put a new product on the floor. All you need to do is you need to go and and send an email to that list, let them know that this product is coming and have them just like even like click a link and say click here if you want to be notified of when this product is on the floor. That's a wait list. Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, and so you, you've hit that sort of top of the pyramid and then you can it's just uh, it, it just means thinking bigger. Yeah, thinking bigger, thinking globally, and how can you help make, like you said, make an impact in the world outside of a one-on-one or or even a group? Yeah, absolutely. Use your business for to fuel greater change. So overall, the thing I want you guys to get out of this with the wealth pyramid is there's different stages of business, and depending upon what stage of business, that's going to impact the actions that you take. So try not to try not to. like look at what other businesses are doing and just model exactly what they're doing because those businesses might be in a different stage of business um, that you're at. And you want to focus on the one action step for your stage of business. Forget everything else. Then when you get to the next stage, you can shift gears. You can do it. You, you know, you can do something different. Um, but that's how you're going to move yourself up is that focus on that one action step based on your appropriate stage of business. Yeah, sound advice. And now we're we're coming sort of short on time here, but uh, what do you got going on? How can people find you? Give us give us the goods. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so um, obviously I'm a firm believer in focusing on the right action steps for your stage of business. So I have a, I have a different resource depending upon what stage of business you're in. Like if you're in debt, I have a webinar and a program for how you can get out of debt um, and create that debt power payoff plan. If you are um, a new business owner or you're at zero and you're trying to hit consistent 5k months, I have a webinar and a program to help you with that. Um, if you're looking to scale your business, uh, and install leverage and automation into your business. I have a webinar and a program for that. So all of those resources and more <laughs> are at marketslikeanerd.com. That's my website. Um, and then if you just want to geek out with me and get to know me a little bit better, um, I run a free Facebook group called The Balanced Entrepreneur because that's my goal is supporting you and moving through these stages to consciously create a balanced business and life. Uh, and you can hang out with me in that group and, and, and with thousands of other entrepreneurs too at marketlikeanerd.com forward slash invite. Awesome. And it, definitely everyone check out the website because it's really fun. It's really <laughs> yeah. fun. It's fun. It's it's a really fun website, and I have to say, I do like how you have everything grouped together. It makes it a lot easier to navigate because sometimes you'll go on to websites that have a lot of different programs and different freebies. And I should say, a lot of this stuff is free on your website. Yeah. Um, it's nice, like you said, if you want to get out of debt, you just click on the button that says "Get Out of Debt." Yep. And then there you go. So it's really easy to navigate. Um, so, so well done on the website. Thank okay, you. Okay, you're welcome. Now, before we finish, is there any last thought you'd like to leave people with before we sign off? Oh, we talked about so much good stuff. I know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, even, even the systems talk, um, that comes down to the stages of business too, because when it comes to systems, that's usually when you're trying to scale. That's usually when you're looking at, at, implementing systems. So I think it all comes down to this wealth pyramid. My advice to you would be to identify which stage of business you're in, in the wealth pyramid. If you need to go and listen back to the episode to re-listen to my explanations about what the different stages are, please do so. But identify where you're at in the wealth pyramid and then focus on that one action step for that stage. Yep. Great advice. And uh, again, just so everyone knows, I will have links to Amanda's website and social media handles and all that stuff uh, at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com in her show notes. So if you didn't write it down quick enough or you're driving or you're running mm -hmm. on the treadmill, don't worry about it. Podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. It'll have all of her links and all of her info. Um, so Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great talk. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Karen, let's see, NYC and everybody have a great week. We'll catch you next week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.